What's up, Insane Army? It is I, your all-round source for lifestyle tips, Dilla Fresh practitioner, don't ask, pop culture amazing, adventure travel addict, conversation guru, and full-time happiness advocate. Big shout out to you for joining us on the fifth episode of Hashtag Yellow with Benton Ekbo. You guys are like so amazing. I mean, yo, your feedback has just been the most insane I have ever had in the last couple of years since I got into social media and like everything else in between. Thank you for all the love on Facebook, on Instagram. I've been seeing all of your activities and I know you're all from here. Thank you so much. I am really excited about today's episode, really, because first of all, we're having our first guest of the season and first guest of the entire show. I'll tell you just a little bit more about him in a minute, but if you're not doing so already, please, please, please smash that subscribe button wherever you're listening to the show from right now so you will never miss another episode. And consider leaving me a five-star review because, you know, that's just how much I love about your validation. Then jump on over to Instagram and follow me there as well at the Benson Echo. That is at the Benson Echo. Comment and like my last 10 posts and as a thank you, you'll be automatically entered into a $200 Amazon Junior or Conga gift card to shop your heart out. <laughs> on this episode, we are joined by gambling addiction campaigner and Queen's Young Global leader, Adam Bradford, a social entrepreneur and one of just three UK winners of the prestigious Queen's Young Leader Award, a Commonwealth-wide initiative. Trust me, this guy is huge. Adam was diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome, a form of autism, at the age of 11. Uh, since then, he has de- determined to set up you know, his own business, his own enterprise. Through his journey, Adam successfully got a place at Peter Jones Enterprise Academy, which is huge, by the way. Look it up. He was determined you know, to change the narrative, and Adam has since impacted thousands of lives across the world through his messaging of social change and just you know, pure insaneness. Trust me, Adam is definitely one of the most insane persons I've ever met, and I am so glad to have him join us. Are you ready? Okay, let's go in. All right, guys, we're starting the show now full-time proper with our first ever guest, first season, first show guest. Let's welcome the amazing Adam Radford. (laughs) Thanks, Benson. Hey, Adam. Hey. I love how you were just sitting there all quiet and stuff, just watching me mm-hmm. and pretending like, you know, I w- like you were not here the whole time I was reading the, the, the intro. That was well, epic. <laughs> I was admiring the intro, so now I know what I'm going to live up to. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. So usually we ask our guests five icebreaker questions. Mm-hmm. These questions are user submitted by the amazing Insane Army. That's our podcast community. Yes. The best community in the entire world, by the way. Hey, Insane Army. I see y'all. <laughs> and um, they're very random. Mm-hmm. They were literally just the most insane questions I could ever find. All right. I'm ready? ready. Okay. Don't get scared. Well, you should be, but don't be. I'm happy scared. You're happy scared. Mm-hmm. Okay. Question one. What is the scariest thing you've ever done in the name of fun? Um, I don't, I'm a very adventurous person, but scary? I'm not sure. I don't know whether I've ever deliberately risked my own life, although I probably do it every day without knowing it. Oh, my God. But um, it's a scary but insane thing. I mm. set off um, with no plan um, and no real budget um, two years ago to just travel the world um, with a friend of mine. Um, and we set up a project together. 
And literally for half the time when we did this, we never knew how we were going to get to the next country. We didn't even know where we were going. We didn't know how we were going to afford it. We didn't know where we were going to stay. We didn't even know how we'd get back home. So we spent 18 months on the road just traveling and like taking the next cheapest flight we could until the visa ran out to just get around the world without being caught. Here um, I was thinking I wasn't saying you were wild. Yeah, I'm something else. Jesus. Behind all this very polished oh my God. persona. Yeah, it's a real so me. Proper. Yeah, no, not really. <laughs> not really. <laughs> no. Mr. Adam, do I know you? No, no one I knows don't. me. Oh my God. This is the first sit-down interview I've done since birth. <laughs> okay, question two. What is the first thing you think of when you wake up? <laughs> um, well... Usually work, unfortunately. Oh. Um, I'm kind of, but I'm not obsessed with it. But I'm always excited, okay. so I'm always eager to see like what's happened, who's emailed, what's next, what's going on. Ah. I'm very lucky to have a life where I wake up every day and things are different. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I look forward to everything in the day. See, that's amazing because I'm just like you, except my own work is on social media. So Instagram is the first thing I think of when I wake up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, question three. If you could visit any place in the world right now, where would it be and why? Mm, gosh. That's hard, isn't it? That's difficult. So I've done a lot of travel. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of places I wanted to go, I've been. Um, one place that's always intrigued me a lot is like China and like all the very peaceful, spiritual parts of China where you can just oh, completely zone out I see. and soak up the culture. I want to see Japan so bad. Japan too. Japan yeah. is wild. Like, just want to go like, lost in the mountains for like 100%. a whole week and just yeah. soaking all the warm springs and just everything. It's, That's it. Asia is amazing, trust me. Asia is mm-hmm. the ultimate destination if you ask me. Yes. That's great. Okay, question four. What three words would your mom use to describe you? <laughs> My mom doesn't know this me. Oh, God. <laughs> there's a mom me, and then there's a me me. Oh, so if she, okay, if she was to describe me, she would probably say slightly stupid. Oh, no. Um, very determined. Like, okay. So her word, she's from a northern part of England, so her word would probably be like dogged. Mm. So like very... Very out- outgoing. Determined. Very determined, yes. Very like unstoppable. Um... But also quite nervous because oh. she sees me at times when I'm like at my lowest, oh, okay. when I don't have as much confidence, and I, see. I like literally have to turn somewhere. So <laughs> that's probably how she'd describe me. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, and then finally, and this is not because you're English, I promise. Yeah. But what is the longest English word you know? P.S. It could be a nonsense word or whatever, but like, what's the longest English word you know? Gosh, it's well, it's gotta be. Oh, I don't know. Are you on the spot right now? I can't think of anything. Is Tyrannosaurus Rex a word? <laughs> what? That's a dinosaur. That's t- kind of two words, but I'm going to T-Rex. Because oh, <laughs> I shot the Tyrannosaurus. I was like, how did the Rex get in there? <laughs> no. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, there you have it, guys. <laughs> okay, let's jump into the interview. <laughs> Um, in 2000, okay, well, a couple years ago, about four years ago, I think, you were among the inaugural class yes. of the Queen's Young, um, Queen's Young Global Leadership Program. Mm-hmm. Did you have a fanboy moment when you met the Queen? Uh, she did, oh, when she, she did. met me. Oh. Yes, yes, she was waiting. She had my <laughs> name, she had this medal with my name on it. I was like, well, thank you very much. <laughs> um, no, it was... Um, 
it was so surreal, mm. and the, the whole thing is very controlled. So when yeah. you go and see her, you're basically rehearsed into how to greet her, what you're meant to say, this, that, and the other. So it's a whole ceremony. Mm. Um, it was interesting. Like she probably got to speak to her for like 20 seconds. <laughs> I have no idea what I said. I don't really know what she said. I just remember looking into her eyes. I mean, oh God, it's the queen. It's the queen. Oh my goodness. And I was just kept shaking. But no, <laughs> um, I was very honoured to be one of um, 60 young people that they choose every year. Yeah, um, and you're like, you're the, you're one of three Yes, one of three that was chosen for the UK. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so it cuts across all 53 all Commonwealth countries. Mm-hmm. It recognises young people who have shown leadership in their community. They've done something to help others. Yeah. Um, essentially made a lot of social impact in mm-hmm. their young age. So the program's designed to accelerate that and to kind of make us all, I guess, ambassadors for what the Commonwealth stands for. I see. But yeah, it was a very special, really special moment. That's amazing. Now, you're in Nigeria. This is your first time in Nigeria, yes? Yes. Is it also the first time in Africa? No, I've been to Kenya before. Oh, Kenya, Nairobi, right? Yeah, Nairobi and Malindi. Did you like it? Yeah, it was good. Yeah. How would you compare it to Nigeria? <sighs> hmm. It's difficult to compare because they're so different. Oh, I see. Kenya is very... Um, it feels less congested um in terms of people and things it's very it's similar and it's very creative mm-hmm. so the people there have loads of ideas there's lots of entrepreneurship happening there's lots to try and encourage young people um i think in some ways they've had a lot of over saturation of programs and projects and things in Kenya? yeah okay whereas nigeria kind of drops off the map a lot it's had a I bad see. reputation and the global community i see yeah doesn't get under the skin of that so that's one of the reasons that i'm here okay because the brand has had so much attention from nigeria over Mm -hmm. time Mm -hmm. that we said there's something happening there i need to go and find out what's going on well glad you came yeah thanks for having me (laughs) you're welcome (laughs) (laughs) well on that topic of you know the brand and everything we're discussing the adam star project yes yes so what was the defining moment that made you decide to launch the project? Well, look, it's interesting to say as a Brit that growing up, there's a lot of things that happen to you. I see. So when you reach a certain age, you start to become more conscious of who you're going to be in life and Mm -hmm. where you're going to go, what you're going to stand for, Mm -hmm. all of that kind of thing. But what was happening to me is I was was being forced into a track that I didn't really want to do. So the whole system is set up for go to school, mm. go to college, go get a degree, go and find a good job, settle down. It's very blah, blah, similar blah, blah, blah. to what we have here. Across the world. Oh, I mean, that's yeah, the system. That's, that's like the system. But the pressure was just ridiculous. So I was very academic, very intelligent. And so therefore I was pushed and pushed yeah. by everybody, including parents and people around me and teachers. And I thought, hmm. This is actually not working. Like I was just starting to not perform yeah. and getting really depressed about the whole thing. Yeah. Um, bullying was an issue, um, particularly in the school I was from, yeah. um, in a very bad area of the country. Um, all sorts of things just didn't feel right. Um, so I delved into entrepreneurship. I started my journey through a school entrepreneurship competition. Mm-hmm. Um, so at age 14, I set up a micro business in the tech space. Ah. basically helping teachers in the school with their tech 
because our school was that poor, they didn't have any tech support. Um, so I did it and got paid for it by them. Oh, wow. Um, I, I ended up winning this competition. It went on. Different people picked me up, gave me opportunities. Yeah. And I see it now. There's a lot of people who are the product of different programs and different projects that support young people. Mm-hmm. I was concerned that so many young people are all set up to fail okay. and that I've been very lucky people gave me opportunities. People recognized me. Certain special people put me in the place I am now. It wasn't all me. Mm-hmm. And I thought, but there's hundreds, thousands of other people who have got ideas and who deserve to have a chance, but there's no system there to help them. There's lots of fragmented things like youth leadership projects and different forums and this, that, and the other. Yeah. But there's nothing really led by people who have been there and done it. I see. Um, so that was what sparked this whole Adam Start notion, which is all about entrepreneurship mm. for young people, driven yeah. by young entrepreneurs driven themselves. Young okay. um, so, yeah, part of being here is to spread it across the world. Um, particularly in Africa. Well, thank God you just mentioned that because we just, if I, you just segued us to our third question, which is, um, what is, what would you say is the one consistent thing that you have noticed in like all your travels and meeting all these amazing entrepreneurs and social do-gooders in what, over 60 plus countries now? Yeah, probably, no, I'm on my way to 50 or oh, something 50, like that. Oh, yeah. 50 plus countries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, what is the one consistent thing that you have found? Like, okay, so the young person in um, Beirut and the young person in, I don't know, what are the B-lettered countries there? Brazil. Brazil, exactly. Somewhere B. (laughs) Yeah. So what is the one consistent thing that you say, okay, across all of this, um, across the world, this is the one thing that young persons or young entrepreneurs and social do-gooders are suffering Suffering. or are experiencing, same Hmm. thing. I think the one thing that everybody's experiencing is a lack of networks in that young people now, uh, like people like even our age, are very mm. like socially mobile. Mm. We've got social media, we've got digital platforms, we've got so many different events and things we can tap into. But for some reason, people's mindset still stays very confined mm. to where they are, who their friends are, who they know. You know, when it comes to their projects and their work, they're not looking beyond what's put in front of them. So it's kind of about expanding the mind. You know, unfortunately, I could give you an answer like, oh, everybody needs finance or everybody's looking for mentorship. I think we're way past that now. That conversation's been happening for 10, 20 years and it's not making a difference. I think the thing is, young people need to know how to work leverage Mm-hmm. and how that whole science works in their life, for them personally, for their project, for anything they want to do. Mm. So as you know now, we're like less than two steps away from anybody in the world that you yeah. can get to them. Yeah. You can get whatever you want to get. You just have to position yourself in the right way and create value. To grab it. So it's this idea of like having a global mindset but still operating locally. Um, and I think we need to do more to teach people about that. About that. You're so right. Because I remember in the meetup that we had on Monday, how like, some people would just come up with like, the most amazing ideas, but they have not even gone anywhere because they assume, oh, I need all the money yeah. on ground before I move on. Yeah. But dissecting your projects, even in front of them, like, they even realize that, okay, no, I need structure. Mm-hmm. I need support, mentorship. I need you know, just guidance to even get it to the part 
to like the point where it requires funding. So like, it's a it's a global problem. I agree. Not not everyone needs funding. To be mm-hmm. honest, mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. Um, now you you have talked about you know people's entrepreneurship, how it needs to be balanced out, and yeah, all of that. So in your words, define a perfect social enterprise, one led by young persons. Like what what are the elements that um, a social enterprise or even a regular enterprise or completely not for profit, but like what what would mm. you think? Oh, um, if say I'm a young person now and I want to kickstart this awesome project, whether for profit, non profit, or a hybrid, what are the elements that you feel from your experience that I need to have on ground to ensure that you know everything is going smoothly? Um, well, first off, I think you need to deeply understand the problem. Um, so absolutely know inside out what the issue is, a hundred percent all of the time if you can. You need to know who the key players are. You need to know who's working on it. You need to know what your beneficiaries are feeling and also what they think is a good solution for them. Yeah. Then when you've got that, obviously what you have needs to be robust. It needs to be credible mm-hmm. and it needs to be scalable. If you've got a solution which only works in one area yeah. and it's going to be restricted to that one area, that one area yeah. that's fine if that's what you want to do. But if you want to sustain and grow and develop you've got to find something that's going to get bigger and going to do more. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've also got to have that vision and you've got to have the passion to be able to see it through. Because um, there's so many people, I'm sure you've met them as well, who have yeah. ideas. But then you say, okay, so how are you going to do that? What's next? Where are you going? What's your next step? Yeah. And they say, well, I don't know. How can you not, <laughs> know, you not know when you're running your own business and you have your own project? If you've got this idea... You need to know where it's going. If you've not got the energy to put the steps in place, and you shouldn't be doing it. You shouldn't it. be doing it. You I either agree. need to find somebody else to do it mm-hmm. or change your plan. Exactly. Because it's not for everyone. Not yeah. everybody can or should be an entrepreneur. Otherwise, we're going to have nobody to work for us. <laughs> but <laughs> there is a thing about that. So I think those things, being clear about the problem, having a robust solution, and then having enough passion to keep going, even if you don't know what's next. Yeah. That's that's really important. In fact, to be honest, I did not even think of any of these points because I'm always more on the. So, very, what kind of an entrepreneur are you? I I I, 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 <laughs> I am kidding. the I don't know entrepreneur. <laughs> I'm trying to figure stuff out. <gasps> well, <laughs> but you're making movement. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> oh my god, I need to fix that though because I'm not even sure what kind of entrepreneur I am. <laughs> Well, let's just say I'm a very vain influencer. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, own that. Well, it works for most of us. <laughs> um, for the fifth question, now, I was having a very heated conversation with my friend um, about two weeks ago on the issue of consistency. Mm. How important is consistency for social do-gooders and social entrepreneurs? It's, 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 it's vital. If you're not consistent, and also if you're not honest... Yeah, with Honestly, yourself yeah. and other people, uh-huh. then somewhere or another, someone's going to see a crack, and that's when you're going to start getting problems. So, the biggest thing I hate about this sector is the lack of genuine intent from a lot of people, mm. because like social entrepreneurship has basically become the new sex for young people. Mm-hmm. Everybody is jumping on it. They're like, "Oh, I run a social enterprise. I'm an activist. I'm a social media influencer." Blah 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 blah. 
every second person is that. True. And you've got to be so careful about how you position yourself and also how you operate. Mm -hmm. Usually, I don't want to be able to find a distinction between what I see from you offline and what I see from you online because a lot of young people fall into this trap of doing everything for the next gram post or doing everything mm -hmm. to get as many likes and views as they can. And it's a really dangerous culture where people our age especially are being pressured, not because they're doing this for the wrong reasons, but because society's put them it's there. put them there, yeah. So if you're making social change, you have to do it from a point of view of sincerity. Mm -hmm. And you've got to act in a way that you would want other people to act towards you. And if you're not doing that 100% of the time, you need to check yourself because something will go like something will backfire. I always believe what you put out comes back to comes you. Comes back to you, yes. So if I treat you badly today, if I don't apologize or put that right and think about why did that happen? Why mm -hmm. did I just have that outburst? Why yeah. did I not do this right? Then one day something will come back from that and I'll regret it. Mm -hmm. So you've got to, you know, I'm, you've got to behave. Like this oh, is it's, it's serious. I see, yeah. Like, who, if you're, if we're talking about, say, I don't know, serious organized crime, mm -hmm. and you want to take that out of your community, you're going to need to get the trust of your community. Yeah. You're going to need to get the trust of the police. You're going to mm -hmm. need to influence policymakers. You're going to need to convince people to come on board and support you. Yeah. And if you're working under those extreme conditions, if you're not genuine, and you're not consistent, and you're not passionate, and something's not right, you will just burn, I see. and then no change will happen. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, that's great. Now, I've spent the last couple of days with you, and I've just watched you put on like so many hats. Like mm. one minute you're this, the next minute you're that. One minute you're yelling at someone, the next minute you're firing someone, the next minute you're loving someone. Like it's just been like you're like a literal walking like um, MVP director CEO. <laughs> Type person right now. I guess that's my job title. <laughs> well, well, literally. <laughs> now, how are you able to balance everything out? I think we need to ask you, like personally, like how mm. do you do it? Because sometimes, I, I, I know that I am, I can multitask very well. Yeah, I'm great at it, but not at the level that you like. I have literally seen you like run like five different things at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. How do you balance it out? Do you have um, a routine or do you just like, as it comes? I've gone through so, so many phases with this. So when I first started off, I was shit mm. at project management. I didn't know how to put a project together. I didn't know really how to get from start to finish. Mm. I could sell the finish line to a client and get people on board with that. Yeah. But actually working back and putting the steps in place, I couldn't do. So that's one thing I've learned. So uh, anything I do now at least has that logical, critical path it's half of it. to how we're going to get there, and it's all resourced. So at least I know it's running. So okay. that takes some pressure off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In terms of me, how do I keep that up? It's, it's constantly difficult, and I think probably it's given me depression, it's given me anxiety. Like, entrepreneurship is a very mentally and physically tasking thing to do yeah because at the end of the day everything's on your shoulders it's your business your name is above the door mm -hmm. so if one of your staff is sick or if one of your clients is not happy or if your tax isn't paid on time or if anything it's all it's down to you name. at the end of the day yeah so 
you need to have a good team. I have a good team. Yeah, you do. You have an amazing um, team. Shout out to Rodney and Keith and like just a bunch of other people. Hey, Rodney, if you're listening. You're <laughs> oh, he'll be vetting this. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no. It, it's, I've had to go through a lot to find people who have like the same passion level who mm-hmm. will answer my call if I call them at midnight and say mm-hmm. emergency yeah. or they will pick up something for me if I'm sick. Mm-hmm. Like you need that kind of support mechanism. Okay, I see. But the hardest thing I've found is having the right social mechanism to support my entrepreneurship. Because I do that, my friends need to know sometimes I just can't come out yeah. or we might be out and I need to go. Yeah. Or one day I'm just going to be extremely tired for no reason. <laughs> like all these things are part of entrepreneurship and people yeah. need to understand. Yeah. But it's been hard. Like, you know, I probably do three burnouts a year, <laughs> which is three too many. <laughs> it's three too many. Um, I think the most I've gone through is one. Yeah. It's just like, like it's just happened only once and it was disastrous. It happened last year. It was not fun. Work-life balance is a thing. You know? Oh my We've God. You've got to take it seriously. So that means you're saying... Um, in terms of like finding balance because for social entrepreneurs like we have to wear so many hats as well mm. even if you are you are working like in a structured place but you literally when you're starting off like you are everything that your enterprise needs mm-hmm. so structure is good finding like the right team members yeah. understanding your limits and all of that mm-hmm. epic well this has been a really fun great conversation i can't wait to hear more we're going to jump into a quick break right now and and when we return, we'll jump into some more like deep, serious stuff. Okay? All right. The hashtag Adam Start Entrepreneurship Challenge, a yearly global social enterprise competition, celebrates and provides a platform for budding young changemakers across the world, providing cash mentorship and networking opportunities. The challenge is founded by social entrepreneur and Queen's young leader, Adam Bradford from London, and so far has supported over 10,000 young people across the world to start and scale their ideas. For more information, visit www.adambradfordassociate.com. That's www.adambradfordassociate.com. Now I'm back to the show. What's up, Insane Army? We're back with the amazing Adam Bradford, Queen's Young Global Leader and Executive Director of Adam Bradford Associates. Mr. Adam, earlier you talked about um, facing some challenges growing up, like bullying and stuff. Could you just take me down memory lane? Like, what was childhood like for you, living with Asperger's and just like mm. all of these other stuff? What struggles did you have? Um, yeah, well, um, I was 12 when I got the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very new at the time, so for many years I didn't know what it meant. I didn't really know how it would affect me. I see. Um, so in that time I was kind of slightly lost, like identity-wise, even just... All I kind of knew is that I had this label, and it seemed to me that other people knew more about it than me. So I started to learn more about it, and I mean, essentially, I've taken it as a gift in recent years and just mm. used the positives of it to help my work and help me get through, I would say, mainstream education, mainstream society mm. wasn't the place that I fitted. Okay. It frustrated me in so many ways, and I think that autism amplified that a million times million over. Times over yeah. So I had to find safe ways to cope with that, um, which are pretty good now. 
Okay. Um, so I would never say that I suffer with it. Um, I don't like that kind of negative spin negative on energy. things. Yeah. Um, okay. In fact, I think we all have a bit of some kind of mm. condition of one form somewhere. None of us are neurologically the same. The same, exactly. So that's something I really admire about everyone. Um, but the bullying was atrocious. Like I went to a really bad school that didn't deal with it well um, because I was very academic, whereas mm. a lot of the other kids weren't. I always stood out. So my parents really tried hard to bring us up well, make us into decent people. 99% of the other children in the school were gangsters, mobs, thugs, drug dealers, gang members. So you are a literal grass to grace story. Like just growing from, you know, from like the the bad parts of town and just like Mm. working your way all the way up. Pretty much, yeah. And, you know, I get messages from people now who are like, oh, I remember you from school, this, that, and the other. And I think, well... Well done. Thank you for that. <laughs> but, you know, it's, that was hard. It put a lot of pressure on the family unit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was difficult, but we got through it. Um, five years ago, we had another very major incident hit the family in that my dad was suddenly jailed. Yeah. Um, So he had been suffering for a long time with an addiction to gambling that none Mm -hmm. of us ever knew about. Yeah. Um, He'd ended up stealing money um, to pay for it, and he'd also kept his court case hidden from us all. All this time? All the time. So he was sent to jail. We only found out that he was on his way to jail when he left court. Um, so they would literally escorted him off in a van and we got told that he was on his way to prison. He was going to spend two years there. Um, so at 21, I had to become the head of the household, mm-hmm. paid the mortgage, basically paid all the bills. I had to really focus on keeping the family together um, and also deal with the lack of having a father, like a very crucial, crucial years yeah. in my life, but also getting over this sudden, like not knowing for 20 years who your dad even was Mm. and what was going on in his life. You know, almost like he'd lived a double life. Um, The darkness that brought to the family publicly as well, um, because if you imagine the press that followed the court case, um, was almost career-ending. I still, to this day, do not know how I kept my career intact because the name was just blackened by the media that followed. Um, But I decided to turn that into what's been a very successful campaign to highlight gambling addiction, which has changed laws back home. Um, And, you know, I think we've turned that around. Um, But yeah, growing up was different for me. (laughs) It wasn't just the usual childhood, all happy days. (laughs) Um, But, you know, these things make you stronger as a person. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. I'm very interested um, in that campaign, the anti-gambling campaign, because it's really important. Um, I haven't had anyone personally who has had a problem with gambling, Mm. but um, my best friend's brother, Mm. you know, he got it real bad. In fact, I would say almost as bad as your dad did. Yeah. um, To the point where he would literally like you know use his school fees, his house rent money. Um, He sold his dad's car. 
oh, wow. to fund his gambling um, campaign. In mm. fact, the day they found out was when he tried to sell um, their land. Oh, wow. Because like, he, was, he was like, no, no, I'm really sure that, you know, the money would come back. It's not going to go away. But, like, just, you know, the whole process that you, you can't just sell a land, you know, quietly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Word, word tends to get around. Right. So, like, that's just where, like, you know, they got to hear about it. And they did something, like, why are you selling the land, you know, without even telling anyone? And it was not even his land. You know, it was, like, the family land. So, like, it was just... Right. In trying to uncover that, they discovered, oh, my God, he literally had, like, a double life back in school. Right. He was going to, like, all the casinos around Lagos. He was... He was betting, you know, at sports centers, like every single, like it was, it was really, really bad. Mm. So just walk me through like the campaign, um, what, what it is. And just, I know recently you guys had like a major breakthrough. Um, it was all over the news. They literally just took it everywhere. So like, what is, what was the campaign about exactly? And in detail, how did it, um, play out? So... I had my profile as an entrepreneur when my dad went to prison. Mm-hmm. I was suddenly typecast by the media as this, the son of a thief. No. That was the way the media told the story. Um, and obviously that's very difficult to have that position as somebody who runs a business. It just literally shatters your reputation, mm-hmm. even if you've done nothing wrong. I agree. So... I needed to tell the other side of the story, which was that we're talking about an addiction, which is obviously a, a mental health Problem. condition. Yeah. Um, and so I set about trying to tell the other side, um, which picked up steam quite quickly. It did. Um, so over the course of what's been about four or five years now, we've basically lobbied government. We've spoken to people in the industry itself. Um, and managed to change laws so that the amount people can spend is reduced, so okay. that there's a greater focus on keeping people safe mm-hmm. and providing help for people who show signs of a problem. Of a problem yeah. Getting more help available on the National Health Service, which is our public health system. Okay. So for people who feel like they have a problem, they can go and get counselling and treatment and that kind of thing. Um, and then we turned the whole thing into a non-profit, which has been backed by uh, two of Britain and one of Europe's major bookmakers um, for them to say, look, we actually want to turn things around. Mm -hmm. Um, It's taken a fight. The amount of corporate lobbyists who probably stalk my every move (laughs) and have tried to close us down and tried to attack us and send lawyers and this and that and the other has been insane. Um, So that has tested my resilience no end. Um, But, you know, for the sake of the half a million families in the UK who are addicted... And the two million who are supposedly at risk is the campaign worth fighting for. Uh, And we won so far. We won so far. Um, So hopefully... Wait, this campaign, it was co-led by your dad, yes? Yes. Yes, okay. Yeah, so I brought him into it when he came out of prison. Okay, well, that was good. That was a good highlight. Well, let's just move on from, you know, less depressing topics. Uh, Major shout out to Adam who got us Ocean Beach, California red wine to record with. It's just been great. Cheers. It has. Cheers. Yes. <laughs> We're going to play a quick game of Would You Rather. Trust me, it's very key. <laughs> it's, Judging by how my week's gone, oh, I've gone too short, then. Oh, my God. I'm scared now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
So um, insane army for the point zero 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 one percentile of you who don't know how this game works, it goes like this. I'll ask our guest a very hypothetical question, and I'll give him two very impossible options to pick from, but they're kind of safe. And I don't even know why I'm, I'm explaining it because you guys submitted <laughs> these five would you rather questions. <laughs> okay. Question one. Would you rather forget your password every weekend for the rest of your life or forget your first name every time you meet somebody for the first time? Hmm. I should repeat it? I'd rather forget my name because they would, <laughs> they would know my name already. Oh, no. I don't need to worry. Oh, no. That's a nice spin on it. <laughs> Because <laughs> some people would say, oh, no. Because, like, your name is important, but you're right. Because in five minutes, they're asking you again, wait, what's your name again? I just say, check Google. Just check. <laughs> oh, here's my card. Yes. It's so much easier. <laughs> you're smart. <laughs> okay. Question two. Would you rather wake up as the opposite sex once a month or wake up in a strange place once a year? Mm. <laughs> And when I say strange, like, I mean strange. Like, I'm talking haunted house, graveyard, somewhere uh, in China. <laughs> I'm going with the opposite sex because I could take myself to a strange place. You know, if I wanted to, but the one thing I cannot yet do yeah. is change sex. Automatically. So I would go with that one. Well, that would be a good option because then, like, you get to live this, you know, different life on like, a 24 Double hours. lives running my family, so Same. I may as well continue the tradition. You're a family man. <laughs> Say no more. Sorry, Dad. Would you rather get 10, no, not 10,000, 10 million naira mm. or pounds in cash right now? Or would you rather find 1,000 pounds in your pocket every single time you dip your hands in for the next 10 years? Oh. Of course, I'll go with the second one. The second one? Yeah. You're sure? Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, because I would just put my hand in my pocket more. <laughs> so each time, you're, so you're saying each time I put my hand in my pocket, yes. there's another thousand. There's another there, thousand, yeah. yes. Great, I would do it every minute. Every, <laughs> oh God. But wouldn't you find it weird? Say you're at some fine dining somewhere you want to pay, uh-huh. and you just like have to keep sticking your hand in your pocket to bring out enough money to pay for the bills? That's fine. It's at the ATM pocket. <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad. <laughs> Oh, God. That's a great question. <laughs> yeah. You know what you're saying, Army? If you're listening to this, jump on over to my Instagram comment and um, let me know what you would do in this case. Would you rather have 100,000 pounds, no, 100 million pounds cash right now or 1,000 pounds every single time you put your hand in your pocket for the next five years? Because I'm, I'm thinking, because if I have 100 million right now, I can just you know, properly invest it and just keep it growing. But... Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you, the thing with money, right, is somebody gives you a whole load at once, mm-hmm. there's so much risk then. You could misinvest it or ah, you get too greedy. Yeah, I see. So, I don't this know. This is why you're really intelligent. Mm. You think things through. Well, 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 I'll let your audience judge that. Okay. Insane <laughs> Army, another assignment. Let me know if you think Adam is intelligent. <laughs> I think he is. Okay. Number four. This is very your lane. Okay, so for the same annual salary, mm-hmm. same annual salary, would you rather be a hit media TV person or would you rather become really popular in social media? 
So when I say media, I mean like TV, radios, that kind oh. of thing. Or would I rather become internet famous for the work you're mm. doing right now? For what? No, I would go with the first always. Oh, really? Yeah. So you're very traditional. I am. I mean, you're already like a BBC personality. Yeah. I cannot even count how many times I've seen you on the BBC since we connected. <laughs> Lots of time. Quite a few. You should hook me I'm up. I'm on speed dial oh. in their office, I think. Are you kidding? <laughs> I don't know. What? I don't know. Wait, you, you had mentioned that you went through like some training for the BBC. Yes, so like specific media training to help you deal with like BBC interviews and things like that. Let me get this straight. The BBC has an interview for how you, you appear on the BBC. Well, it's called BBC English. Like, it's a particular tone of speaking English. So, if I was on, like... like I wouldn't speak to you how I'm speaking to you now. Oh, really? Like, this, is, this is just my kind of flat voice. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, the BBC is a very different Look, style. let me hear, like, a sample, like, five-second BBC oh, voice. I can't, I can't do it. I literally can't do it. Oh, really? <laughs> I can't do it. People need to go find it. They can go and find it online. Oh, my God, you're kidding. Yeah. I'll go check it out. <laughs> Okay, um, the final one. Would you rather be surrounded by people who brag all the time mm. or by people who complain all the time? Hmm. This is, this is really hard, even That's for me. difficult. Even for me. Because both parties are just terrible. Like, I do not want either in my life. I mean, both should really just be locked in a cupboard for the <laughs> time. <laughs> I would rather be on my own. Is there an option C? <laughs> no. Unfortunately, the oh. insane army did not give an option C. Okay, okay. You guys well. should give an option C, please, because even for me, this is so difficult. This is difficult. I would... I would go with the complainers because there's a point at which they're going to stop. I don't think so. Well, surely there is. They're well, listen tired, to the right? question. <laughs> oh, you're right. Because if you brag, there's only a certain amount of things you can brag about. Yeah. Until you literally run through every body part, every personality <laughs> trait, every single thing you've done in your life. Then what are you going to brag about? Interesting. So, I think, yeah, the complainers would be interesting. Because oh. I could make them all into social entrepreneurs. Oh, okay. If they have a complaint about something, I can make them all go run a business and then they can leave. <laughs> you just kick them out? Yes. Properly? Yeah, civilly, yeah. Well, you're, you're, oh my god, you are so proper. Like, wait, as a Brit, this is very like weird. This is a very dumb question right now. But as a Brit, because in Nigeria here, I had to go through like etiquette trainings, mm. and it was designed after a supposed British um, etiquette system. <laughs> Did you have to go through? Because you were so proper. Like you're I'm sitting so proper. You're speaking proper. You like I see the way you pour your wine, the way you drink your wine. It's so like very bougie. So, did, like, did you have any special training, or was I just forced to just go through it? Like, it's just the way I am. Oh. It's just the way I am. Oh, natural. Yes. Oh, my God. I don't know what you're talking about. You haven't seen me after nine o'clock. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I do not know what this is. Oh this is God. an ambush. This is... <laughs> I feel so attacked by that right now. <laughs> no way. Okay. <laughs> Let's jump back into this. By the show. way, for anybody who can't see, yeah. I am literally kind of like laid back on a sofa drinking wine. So that, <laughs> well, he is. that's not very proper. And there is a mint organic hair candle burning in the fragrance oud in the background. So that's quite calming. 
Mm. There's red wine, ocean, what's it called? Ocean, ocean Beach. Beach, California. And we have grapes and apples and some other random things that I'm not sure we should be having when recording in a podcast episode. <laughs> I'm breaking like a thousand podcasting rules by now. Yes. Oh, God. See, it's better you... hospitality than the BBC. We'll put it that way. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, you see that, guys? On my podcast, you get wine. You don't, you don't get wine on the BBC. You don't get water. Oh, you get water. <laughs> I should have got some water. <laughs> it's cheaper. Oh. Insane. Okay, let's just jump back to the show. Um, can you share two specific uh, roadblocks to watch out for? You know, when it comes to change making. But before you do that, we're gonna go on a really quick break because you know I have bills to pay, guys. Like you guys. Hey there, amazing person. Thank you so much for sticking with me till this point. This is not an ad. At the end of this episode, please consider leaving a review. This podcast is made possible by listeners just like you. Thank you for your support. Now back to the show. What's up, guys? Welcome back. I'm so sorry about that, like, really rude, abrupt interruption. But, you know, I have bills to pay, so... I have to put these ads in there, here and there, you know, just to spice things up. Okay, so, um, Mr. Adam, I just asked a question about, you know, um, if you can share, like, two specific roadblocks mm. that anyone should look, look out for when, you know, going off into change-making for the first time, seeing that yeah. you've done this certain, such a, like, an extensive period of time. Yeah, two things. First one is similar to what I said before, but lack of clarity. Mm. Um... So there's so many tools you can use now, like a business model canvas, like theory of change, like, you know, kind of go online and look at different social enterprise, social impact planning tools. Mm -hmm. You've got to be really specific about what it is you want to change and what success looks like, Mm -hmm. because then it'll be easier to bring people on board. It'll be easier to sell, easier to pitch, easier to influence. Um, So you've got to have a really clear plan. I see. Um, another roadblock, sustainability. So many people start things and then they end after a short amount of time. Mm -hmm. So you've got to look at, even if your project just works with 10 people, how are you going to be able to keep it going? How are you going to be able to help the next 10 or the next 10 10, 10, without constantly relying on grants and funding? Mm -hmm. Because people will get tired of you if you keep asking for funding. You know, I've met people who will continuously say, like a broken record, I'm looking for a grant. We just don't have enough money. We don't have enough funding. Complaining, complaining, complaining. But if you say, what's your sustainability plan? They say, what's that? (laughs) What do you mean? So how, how are you going to turn what you're doing into something that generates an income? An income yeah. So can you sell things? Can you do consultancy? Can you do partnerships with brands? Like, yeah. What can you do to have a revenue stream? Mm-hmm. So then you've got money for tomorrow and the day after and the day yeah. after. Well, you're sorry about that very last point because I'm so sorry to cut you short. But I was um, selected for the, Af- the Ashoka Youth Changemaker Program. Yeah. And um, I scaled like, all of the stages to the national stage. And then while I was there on the panel, um, I was asked a very simple question that just completely knocked me out, out of the park. And they told me, how do you intend to keep your projects going mm. without grants? And I was so confused because I remember very well in all my 
you know, storytelling since I got there in my applications, everything, it was solidly a social business. In fact, if I were not, not a business, it was a not-for-profit organization that I had built. So there was really no um, financial income stream type situation built in. Yeah. And honestly, like, I just thought, okay, you know what, if I don't get grants, Mm. Then I just continue self-funding the project. Right. And right. the panelist told me, no, self-funding is also grants because you're giving yourself or you're, you're the one giving the organization grants. Giving it a grant. So yeah. um, for anyone listening, it's really important to structure your, your social change-making you know, thing. I tell people like, it's easier to just build a hybrid from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Your first goal is I want to create change. Yeah. Find a problem get a solution, mm-hmm. execute it, create change. But in the process of that, how are you going to start making some little streams of income Right. to just keep it going? Because right. in all honesty, well, like when there is, funding is not important at the beginning, mm-hmm. but once you get things going to a point, you need to keep having like some small incomes coming in to keep things running in the organization. So that's really smart. Yes. Anything else to add? No, that's the main thing. Um, and you know, just make sure that you can really clearly demonstrate your impact. Like some of the best projects mm-hmm. have failed because they can't tell you what they've done. Oh. You know, I speak <laughs> to people and I say, "What's your impact?" And they say, "Well, we reached fifty thousand people." Great. How well, yeah. reach is different to <laughs> changing lives, changing perceptions, educating people. Like this, the word impact needs to go right back to the root of why did you start. Mm. So if you're saying, well, not enough young Nigerians are getting into decent work, you need to be able to tell me, one year on from you starting, how many young Nigerians have gotten into decent, well-paid jobs? How much are they being paid? Are they happy? How did your help impact them? That's impact. That's not, oh, we work with 50 people. So the impact has got to be really, really clear. Okay, well, that's good. You know, it's so weird. I don't even think that I consider impact... um, I mean, I did, but like not because now you're bringing it to like almost a niche level, where it's like you need to be like you need to be very sure of the specifics of who you're reaching, mm-hmm. how many, what gender, what age range, like all of those information. A hundred percent, all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is where the case of um, database comes in, like yeah. really important. Like you need to collect yes. your data like as soon as as early as possible mm-hmm. and as consistent as as possible. Yes. That is wild. Okay, so just to kind of like wrap things up and, you know, end this really awesome first interview, because I, I, I feel like you are one of the few guests of the show that would come back consistently. So <laughs> just to end your first time on the show, tell me, um, tell me one like piece of good advice that you give to a hypothetical young person mm. who, after listening to this episode... They want to go. They they want to go and kickstart their own social enterprise, or um, scale, or rebrand what they currently have, or just basically take the advice that you have shared and reboot their already existing modules. Mm. Always assume that you're not the smartest person in the room, all the time, mm-hmm. because one of the things about me is I can probably talk quite well. But in terms of my technical knowledge of all the things my company does, I do not know. I, like, I don't know. <laughs> I know what we're meant to do. Yeah. I know how I want things to go. I know what the vision is. I know what the brand is. But in terms of how that all works, mm-hmm. I'm not the expert. Yeah. 
Yeah. I have to bring other people in. Like yeah. I have to have good teams. I have to have people who are the best at what they do. Yeah. And I have to take advice all the time and make sure whenever I'm turning a corner, I've assessed it. I know how to steer into it. I know how to steer out of it. Yeah. And I have a good idea of what's coming at the other side. Mm-hmm. You're never really going to know, but you need to be as well informed as possible, especially if you're young and you're new, because there'll be people who have been there and done it people who have been through pitfalls, people who can advise you and help you. Mm-hmm. The thing that I see with a lot of young entrepreneurs in particular, which makes them fail quickly, is they assume they are the best and they are the greatest. It's all about ego, and you've got to drop in. Mm-hmm. You will not get anywhere if you keep putting I'm, yourself I'm, you know, first. I'm so confused how this ego thing became such a thing in entrepreneurship, especially for young persons. Yeah. Because, like, I just, I just see it. It's like... It's disingenuous because you say you're about impact, you'll say you're about changing lives, but actually take off the veil and it's all about basically promoting yourself mm. and it's all this like really cheap personal cheap thing, branding. Personal things, yeah. It's not about you. You know, like as much as I do all this stuff, I don't promote myself. Like mm. people only know me through the things that I've that done. You've done yeah. And that's the best way for people to know you. Mm-hmm. So at least, you know, if you go and research me now, you will not find anything that I've written about myself because I don't write about myself. I only write about other people or people who have been beneficiaries. Or usually I let them get on with it mm-hmm. because you can't, unless you're a marketeer, then you can't go around consistently just platforming yourself out to people. Yeah. Um, you've got to be careful to draw that line between promoting your brand yes. and getting yourself and your business out there and then just full-on throwing yourself at people in a way that's really going to switch them off. It, so I it think... Is such, it is such a major turn-off for me. Um, yeah, I'm not going to name names. I see it a lot. <laughs> I went to this um, big, high-level uh, meeting with some really... Or what I had considered like really major change-makers, you know, successful change-makers. Yeah. And... One of them, you know, was literally just doing the things you just described right now. Yeah. And nobody on, on the table said anything, but we could all feel like the energy was just like, okay, why is this guy here? Mm-hmm. And when we had recess, you know, he stepped out to go use like the, the bathroom or something. And the person who was cheering the conversation legit said, who wants to vote? This person should not come back to this meeting again. Oh, Everybody's hands went up. Wow. And he lost, like, a major opportunity at that. Like, you know, so... <laughs> so weird. Okay. Yeah. So, because when he came back, the coach here, the cheer was like, um, we're going to have to end this meeting now. And it's just like, because, you know, there's, like, a bunch of emergency stuff to do. Yeah. And then, like, we all packed your bags and left. But then we got an email on our way leaving that we should all head somewhere else. Oh, wow. For the meeting. Okay. I felt bad. Because I was friends with this guy, but like, I have never seen him, you know, at his... Um, so I've only known him outside of entrepreneurship right, right. as a friend. He right. likes basketball, we hang out together, we love to eat fish. That's just all I know about him. Okay. So now just seeing him in full-on work like, mode. social work mode, I was like, oh, heck no. Nah. Oh. I'm not going to be friends with him personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. That can be really irritating. Mm-hmm. It's so sad. 
Oh, Jesus Christ. Well, this has been a really great episode. Thank you so much, Adam Bradford, for joining us, coming all the way from the United Kingdom to just come and create opportunities for young persons here. That is, that takes some balls, and I'm proud of you. Thank you. I am really proud of you. We're going to wrap things up right now, but before we leave, tell me what has been your favorite thing about Nigeria so far. The people. Oh. The people make a place, right? Yes, true. And I can tell you, hands down, Apart from one or two people who I can't mention for legal reasons because I'll not be allowed to leave the country. <laughs> Everybody here is <laughs> I think amazing. I know these people. Yes, you do. I do. Name it on a future episode when I'm not here. <laughs> okay. When you're home safe. Yes. Yes. No, everybody's been warm and friendly and encouraging. And the thing about Nigeria, it has a spirit. Yeah. Right? Everybody has a spirit in that they're, they're determined, they've got ideas. They want to change things, and it's so sad that this country doesn't get the reputation it deserves for that. Mm. So my big mission back home is to make sure that this project works and that we yeah. can do something about that. Yeah, that's amazing. Did you like our jollof rice? It's almost our national. I did. Oh, you did. I did. It's a national dish now. Yes, yes. it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. Okay, that's awesome. Thank you so much for joining me, Adam. Thank you. And that's our show, people. This has been Hashtag Yellow with Benton Ekbo. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much for joining me on this week's episode of Hashtag Yellow with Benton Ekbo. For full recaps of this week's episode or for more episodes, resources, and up-to-minute updates, head on over to www.thebensonekbo.com, our brand new spanking website, where you can also learn more about me and what I'm up to. Please, 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 please consider subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Google, via RSS or whatever platform you enjoy listening to so that you'll never miss an episode. While you're at it, if you found value on this week's show, I'd really appreciate a five-star rating on any of the platform that you're streaming on because, you know, that's just how much I need your validation. I mean, come on. Or if you'd simply just tell a friend about the show, that would help me out a lot as well. I love it when you spread word about us. Adam, how can we find you and stalk on social media? Go. Um, best way is Twitter, so it's at E-N-T-R-E, as in entrepreneur, underscore Adam. Okay. And then Instagram is Adam Bradford Official. Yeah. And just so you know, Adam has a Wikipedia page. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. I paid a lot of money for that. <laughs> Until next episode, stay winning.